Hello, and welcome to episode 10, finally, <laughs> of an even better second half. Uh, I'm Brian Coppock, host of this podcast, and for the next several episodes, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I actually got permission from my friend Brian Grasso to create a series of podcasts using his book, Mindset Matters Most. This is, since there's no audio version of this textbook, I'm essentially creating one with this podcast. <laughs> so we're going to go through, you know, kind of chapter by chapter, but they're going to be in about 10 minute increments here. Um, so starting off with Forward of Mindset Matters Most by Brian Grasso. Introduction. The mind is everything. What you think, you become. From Buddha. You currently live within the defined boundaries of two separate boxes. The large outermost box is solid lined and represents the factors in your world that are immovable. You had no role in creating the box, have no immediate cause and effect ability to change its borders and remain bound by its authority over you. The much smaller inner box has perforated lines and involves elements that are completely in your control to change. You built the box of your own accord, can alter its dimensions at your whim and completely own the space both within and around it. No, you can't overcome depression tomorrow. No, you can't lose 20 pounds in seven days healthfully. No, you can't go from bankruptcy to millionaire overnight. No, you can't summon what you want by merely thinking about it flowing to you. And shame on the people in this world who use the truly magical realities of manifestation, attraction, or divine inspiration to claim that you can. But yes, you can become happier today. Yes, you can begin the process of establishing a healthy lifestyle immediately. Yes, you can create a more sustainable cash flow quickly. Yes, you can simply simplify your work and enjoy the journey of achieving your goals. And shame on the people in this world who teach a cynical brand of reality to claim that you can't. Your thoughts have created the self-imposed limitations of that perforated box. This book will give you the tools to push the confines of that box permanently. It doesn't matter if your goal is related to health, fitness, love, relationships, money, happiness, or career endeavors. The undeniable first step to success in anything is mindset. As your mindset goes, so goes your life. Simply accept that a different reality is possible. Hidden seeds of his... Oh, okay. Section one, acceptance. The acts of a man's, the acts of a man spring from the hidden seeds of his thoughts, Earl Nightingale. Part one. It seems odd for a health, fitness, and wellness professional to say they're depressed. Almost counterintuitive. After all, these are energetic, happy-go-lucky, motivational, and high-on-life sports Sorts who uh, present a vibrant face to the world while advocating the mental and emotional benefits of a lifestyle rich in quality food and consistent exercise. 
but you may be surprised to learn that most health, fitness, and wellness professionals I know have experienced deep sadness at one point in their lives or another. No matter how spirited they showcase themselves on social media, and in case you were curious, I was one of them. For nearly 20 years, I was known as one of the most successful and acclaimed health, fitness, and wellness professionals on the planet. I had been a performance coach for collegiate, national team, professional, and Olympic athletes throughout North America. I traveled the world as a guest lecturer and consultant, wrote for well-known industry magazines such as Men's Fitness, was profiled for my work in major media outlets, and even served as an advisor for Nike. And yet, for the first decade of that 20-year stint, I was gripped by the cold hands and encircling darkness of a depression that nearly took my life. My diagnosis ranged from clinical depression and bipolar to PTSD and seasonal affective disorder, depending on which specialist I saw. The prescribed solution was always a combination of psychotherapy and medication, neither of which I ever partook in. The thing is, there was no specific cause or traumatic event that I could remember, necessarily. I was just sad. Some days mildly, other days so completely that it consumed every single breath I took and made the very action of getting out of bed feel insurmountable. Can you relate? According to the most recent Harris poll, only one in three Americans define themselves as happy. That means more than 200 million people would not. This statistical reality extends worldwide and most certainly is not contained to this continent. The subjective nature of measuring happiness remains complex, but the underscored simplicity is something we have become numb to. If the true object of happiness is to be happy for no reason, then how often do we mistakenly associate a good occurrence with the justification to be happy? And most certainly vice versa. In our commonality as human beings, my health, fitness, and wellness professional classification is irrelevant. The central point is an unmistakable experience we all share, knowing exactly what it feels like to smile when suppressing the sadness, no matter how mild or all-consuming it may be. Part two. For me, the slide into a dark hole started around the age of 17 unexpectedly. I remember that it began with what could be best described as a general malaise. Pockets of time where sadness just seemed to kick in out of nowhere and ranged on the spectrum from slightly numbing to complete envelopment. And if I were forced to give a description to complete envelopment, I would simply say this. I was in a very deep, dark hole that seemed impossible to climb out of. A void so profound, it often felt like it was going to swallow me from the inside. I trudged through my senior year of high school and every day of college in this perennial, albeit unpredictable, state. Some days I managed to smile because the overwhelming gloom was reasonable. Other days the suffocation was so intense and so purely impossible, I'm not unconvinced that perfect strangers on public transit could see through and actually sense my despair. During it all, the overriding emotion was loneliness. It remains to this day the single emotion that haunts me. Living in a city of four million 
and constantly surrounded by friends, colleagues, and family seems an unimaginable place to experience solitude. But if you've walked in my shoes, which I'm convinced most have, even for a short period of time, you know just how much that improbability is true. For nearly a decade, I didn't live. I existed, survived. And I suppose that's where the irony sets in full force. Part three. Because in this hollow, barren place where breathing on some days felt laborious, my quote-unquote job was to be the heir of inspiration for my clients, their beacon of light, the very reason they themselves would begrudgingly get out of bed at 5 a.m. after heeding my call that the mental and emotional benefits of regular exercise were even more profoundly important than the physical enhancements that they'd see. Putting on became my life. At many points in my early career, I often felt as though an Academy Award should have been offered for the way I finessed my outer facade against the backdrop of my internal struggle. And that's where I think most everyone, including you, can relate heavily. Everyone's walk through depression or sadness is different. I don't know if there's a uniform way in which we experience that world, but I do know that for most of the people I've ever spoken with candidly about this topic, the duality of the brave face and manufactured enthusiasm is where there is the most common ground among us. We feel like frauds, living two lives, not always certain what's wrong, but always uncertain of how to fix it. Perhaps the most tragic, lonely, isolating, suffocating, and crushing experience of any one of us could possibly imagine. And I don't believe there is, quote, an answer, unquote, a system, intervention, or blueprint for how to solve, cure, or fix it. I believe that varying things work for varying people. But I can tell you what worked for me and inevitably what became the staging point for developing a success-driven, inspired, and happy mindset that now has me seeing the world through the innocent eyes of a child, intent on believing that anything is possible. I forced myself to learn about the nature of reality. And for a long while, it was very much a forced effort. Because there were days that getting out of bed to brush my teeth felt more overwhelming than may seem reasonable to you. I read one page of a book, then three, a chapter, then five. Over time, and it certainly took time, I began to reshape my understanding of the world, of myself, of reality. Removing esoteric, metaphysical, or confusing rhetoric, what I came to understand is that the reality I was experiencing wasn't reality. It was a reality, the chosen reality I saw, felt, and lived, and that one spark of comprehension was all it took. I did not fight, warrior up, or combat anything. Through the years, I learned that when I did that, when, I, when fight became my story, it only served to intensify the dark clouds around me by perpetuating a struggle. Instead, I allowed, calmly, I allowed myself, my brain, to start accepting the possibility that there were other realities in life. 
that perhaps I wasn't suffering as the victim of my thoughts and emotions as much as I was simply not yet engineering them in the direction I could. Yes, all this, all this is blissful now, but not because my circumstances changed, because my thoughts and emotions did. And not by chance, but because I summoned them to. That's the journey it took for me to deeply understand just how much mindset matters most for everything. Your happiness, relationships, fitness and health, business success, financial success, beyond, and then some.